Welcome to the 26 West Church Sunday Gathering Podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching helps you experience life in Jesus. Okay, so last week, uh, if you're just stopping in, we've been on this conversation about how the Spirit wants to work. The spirituals, the Holy Spirit has come and expresses His nature and character in all sorts of ways. And I'll throw on the screen what we showed you last week. We looked at Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 um, and Ephesians 4, and you saw these lists of various ways. Same Holy Spirit. We're baptized into one baptism, but the Spirit expresses Himself through all sorts of ways. And so I'm not going to read them. We saw last week. If you missed it, it's on the podcast. But when you boil down the 20 different unique expressions, it comes down to, I think, two categories Right. This is not in the Bible, but as I read the Bible, I try to boil it down to something I can remember. The Spirit wants to speak through His people and serve through His people. And so when you look at all these various ways that God wants to work, it's really about the Holy Spirit speaking. Um, how do we know what God wants? Well, God works through his people to communicate his love and his message. And in the end, it's not just about words. If we can go to the next slide, please. It's not just about words. It's about action. So Jesus taught the truth. Jesus showed the truth. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God. And so it's not like speaking is different than serving. Uh, You could think of it this way. Uh, The Holy Spirit wants to work in vocal ways and visual ways, demonstrating ways. So what am I talking about? Uh, We see it. Prophecy is is speaking. Tongues is speaking. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, teaching is, is communicating truth in a vocal way. But the same Holy Spirit empowers his people to serve. That's helping, mercy, leading, administration. And unfortunately, we glamorize one and we neglect the other. There's nothing more glorious than a speaking role than holding a child right now because mom and dad want to hear from God. Both are spirit-empowered ways to serve. And so uh, my, my wife and I were celebrating our wedding anniversary 30 years tomorrow, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I know I only look 35, but yes. I, but, uh, so, but you know what the funny thing is? I wanted to bless my wife and just say, love, babe, you know, I love you and all that, and score her brownie points. But where is she right now? She's holding some of your children. Uh, not because she has to, but because the Spirit has empowered her with a love to say, I know what it's like to parent, and I know what it's like to have children, and I know what it's like to need a break. I'm willing to give myself for the good of other people. Who is more godly? She is. <laughs> well, that's the truth. She is. And so what we want to do is broaden our understanding of the Spirit working through His people and know everyone who has the Holy Spirit has been empowered with spirituals. The only question is, how is God wiring you and where does God want to push you and what He's prepared you for, but you may not have thought about it yet. You may not have heard about it yet. You may have never been told that the Holy Spirit is working through your life in ways that are ordinary for the building up of Jesus' people. And so we want to normalize this and not just make it for a few because, frankly, the Spirit 
fills all of us. All right, so we looked at those lists, and now I could go through every one of them, and we could do 20 weeks, one on each week. What I want to do is over the next couple of weeks, because we're leaning into summer, uh, this will come up again in the future, but I want to focus on two that seem to be very important because there's two chapters on these two when there isn't a chapter on administration. There isn't a chapter on mercy. There isn't a chapter on helping, although all of them are valuable. For some reason, the Bible gives us extra words about a couple of these manifestations. I told you last week, there in all of these verses, there's only one manifestation that shows up in all four. Any one of you remember which one that was? Exactly. I did really well last week. Thank you, Taylor. All the way in the back with their hands up. Prophecy! Yeah, prophecy shows up on every list. Does it make it more important? But is there something about it that it's mentioned every time? I think so. And there's a few that are mentioned twice. Most are just mentioned once. One of them happens to be tongues. And so what I want to do is today, I want, to, I want us to unpack two that are talked about less. And hear me, hear the context. It doesn't make these more important than any of the others. And when you talk about the spirituals, what the Holy Spirit does, it does not make this more important than your character being transformed by the Holy Spirit. The evidence, the fruit of the Spirit in your life is love. So as God is making you more loving, that is a work of the Spirit. And joy and peace and the rest on the list. So, so Galatians 5 and all that we walk through is as important as this. But this is not less important. And the reason I want to drill out these two is because they're so infrequently talked about when there's two chapters of the Bible on them. And they're overlooked because they're misunderstood and sometimes they have been harmful or hurtful in how they've been approached. So hear me. When we leave, we will leave with differing opinions about everything I'm about to say. And that is okay. Uh, understanding it as I understand the reading of the text is not a requirement to be a part of this church. I just want you to hear the Bible explained. And the reason we're doing this in groups is, is because your learning is interactive. And so whatever you hear that makes sense, write it down. Whatever you hear that doesn't make sense, write it down and underline it. And when you're in your group this week, I want you to have a conversation about it. And I'm so passionate about just unpacking what this is, we're starting a podcast we're going to launch in a couple of weeks called the Life in Jesus podcast by our church. And it's something we're going to do to supplement what we're doing on the, on the weekends. And it's different from our teaching podcast. This will be conversational and talking about things that matter, culture and faith, and how to apply what we are hearing on Sunday to everyday life. But one of the early episodes will be your questions about what I'm about to say. So we're going to do an extended podcast to have an interactive conversation about something I think is very important. Okay, let's get into it. You ready? I'm going to do this Q&A format because I've been asked every question I'm about to tell you. And so we want to look at the Bible. Uh, what we're going to be focusing on is 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, especially 1 Corinthians 14. I encourage you to read it all before you go to your community group this afternoon or this week. And we're going to look at parts of it today and parts of it next Sunday. Okay, what are tongues? Because you just, you see it in the Bible on the list. 
there is this gift, this manifestation called tongues. A helpful or two helpful definitions, take a photo or write them down. Sam Storms in a book called The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts, super helpful book, I'd highly recommend it. Quote, the gift of tongues is simply the spirit energized, the ability to pray, worship, give thanks, or speak in a language other than your own or one you might've learned in school. That's when, when Paul talks about tongues, that's what he's talking about. A, a shorter definition. Speaking in tongues is prayer and praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. Now you may be new to considering follow Jesus, new to following Jesus, new to the Bible. And you say, I've never even heard of what this is. Like tongues, part of the problem is how we translate the word. In Greek, the word is glossa or glossolalia. And that's what is interpreted in English as tongues. And it's a right definition because the word glossa means tongue. And it could be used to talk about the organ in your mouth the tongue, but no one in the first century who got this letter was confused like we are because for them, glossa was about language. They lived in cities where multiple languages were spoken. So you could interpret it, the gift of languages. I think that's more helpful. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading the word tongue, but equally, you could say the gift of languages. Because when you go to school and you're signing up you know, for Spanish, English, uh, French, or whatever you want to learn, you don't, you don't sign up for the tongue class, do you? Or so you meet someone, you're like, oh, how many tongues do you speak? Unless you're proper British from the 1800s. You say language. They mean the same thing. So part of the mystery around it is we're thinking about this weird term when really it's about the Holy Spirit empowering language. And do you know, we can't see God with our human eyes, but the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they're one and they communicate. And they communicate to us in our known languages, but what we're gonna see is the Holy Spirit empowers language as prayer and praise to God, whether we understand the words or not. Now, this is not new because we read these before. This has been a part of the church since day one. Acts 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. The word tongues is proper. I'm just gonna use mostly the word language just to make a point. Acts 10, verse 44 to 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Why? For they heard them speaking in languages. Languages that, that, that the learner didn't know. And praising God. Acts 19.6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in languages. And they prophesied. And those are two different things. Next week we're going to look at the other half of chapter 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, which are, is a conversation about these two gifts, manifestations of the Spirit that were active in the life of the church, but early on in the Jesus story, they were misunderstood, misapplied. And actually, we get evidence 
of correction in the Bible because Jesus' people, good people, loving people, were misappropriating these gifts and misunderstanding. And when they're misunderstood, it leads to confusion. And that may be your story. You're like, Jose, I don't want a conversation on this. Can we just move on? The answer is no. Because if God has gift, and if God has grace, and if God wants to bring about beautiful things in our world, who am I to say to God, no? Not interested, not me. No, I, a Jesus follower is a follower of Jesus. And so what we wanna do as Jesus' people is take a humble posture and say, Jesus, you're God, I, I'm not. And so lead me in the way of life. And since you sent the Spirit, if the Spirit wants to do in the world something beautiful, I'm your follower. And, and whatever you grace me with, I receive out of love. You love me, so you grace me. Now use me in any way that pleases you. I hope that's your posture. That is what will keep us from getting off track. Now, that's what tongues is. We got a basic definition. So what's happening when someone prays in tongues? And this is where it gets interesting. Or prays in these unknown languages. Languages that are real, but languages not understood, not learned. They didn't go to class for it. When someone is praying in the spirit-empowered language, this is a, a unique gift in that I said last week that the Holy Spirit graces us with these gifts for the good of the body. So the person with a, a gift should never say it's about me because the gift isn't for you. It's, it's to pass through you for the good of others. But this one manifestation of the Spirit is actually designed for your own good and to build you up. And this manifestation of the Spirit's presence has two different expressions that are very different both are gift, one's in private, one's in public. This is all gonna come out in 1 Corinthians 14. I just want you to get your mind thinking. And what's confusing if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is sometimes Paul is talking about personal expression, not public. And so when you walk through it, you have to be asking yourself, is he talking about personal or, or public because his instructions differ on the way they're used and when. You're like, wow, I didn't even know that. This is totally cool. This is why we're talking about the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14, one through four. Let's just read it. What's happening when someone prays in tongues? Well, Paul tells us, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spirituals or the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy, which is why we're gonna look at it next week because he actually highlights one over the other. Not one better than the other. Oh, one more appropriate when Jesus' people are together. Because one has more value when we're talking to one another than the other. For anyone who speaks in a tongue or a language does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Holy Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And then the next verse, anyone who speaks in a language empowered by the Spirit edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies or benefits the church. 
I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. He's speaking about when you're together. Because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues when you're together. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. I threw in the nuance so you see what he's talking about. There are two different manifestations we want to look at. But when someone is praying in a language that is not their learned language and the Spirit is empowering them, they are building themselves up. How, how does that work? I'm so glad you asked. A couple of things I want you to write down that we learn about tongues from 1 Corinthians 14. Number one, tongues, they're directed, or languages are directed to God, not to people. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown language empowered by the Spirit, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So language is a beautiful thing. When you learn a new language, and I, I'm not gifted at languages. I am Hispanic, and I struggle with Spanish terribly. Language is not an easy thing for me. And I've studied Hebrew, and I've studied Greek, and I've forgotten most of it. Language is hard for me, but it's beautiful when you meet someone who speaks. I, I, I knew an evangelist, he's now with Jesus, that could preach in seven languages. It made me so jealous. It was so annoying. But it was beautiful because he understood these thoughts and concepts in all these other languages. Well, the Holy Spirit, when, when he's expressing himself through this gift of languages, your mind does not know what is being said, but somehow deep within you, you are communicating with the living God. You're offering praise to God in a way that is driven by God. And, and in that sense, um, these languages are a personal prayer vehicle. They're a way to communicate by God to God, and it builds you up because somehow, I don't fully understand it, uh, you're bringing about praise or prayer, a concern to God that's not just in your brain, not just in your logical thought, it's actually being driven by God himself. And so there's a subtle beauty in it because you're engaging with God, even though your mind's not fruitful to what you're praying. More on that in a minute. Uh, second thing, no one in the church understands tongues, which is why many of us here would say, like, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't blame you. Um, I've been in so many settings because I travel all around the world and communicating and preaching, but in church gatherings where I don't know what's going on. I don't know the songs because it's I was just in Romania, and even though I've gone many, many times, I can pick up a few words. I'm trying to sing the songs. I'm literally looking at the screens, mispronouncing every word, because I am, I am, other than me preaching, I don't know what's going on. And so in that sense, it's not fruitful for me. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not gaining anything out of it, because I don't know anything that's going on. Well, the same nature of these languages. Our mind isn't built up and fruitful, but somehow our soul is. But no one in the church understands it. It's why uh, Paul has instructions about how, because this is the one manifestation that is to build us up, how we need to be thoughtful when we express this with other people around. Because if we just 
speak in this language that we don't know, but is empowered by the Holy Spirit, other people are going to be confused. So like I said, uh, Paul says, clearly, the person who speaks in a tongue speaks to God, right? And, and it's not fruitful to the mind, but it's fruitful because you are connected by this Holy Spirit-driven communication of praise or prayer. But when you're in public with other people, he says there is an appropriate way to release this gift to God. There has to be someone to interpret it. In other words, these mysteries that are being declared up to God, the same Holy Spirit can give an interpretation of what that is. Why? Why, why would that happen? So that the, the, the body would benefit. You say, well, where'd you get that? 1 Corinthians 14, 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Pause. Some of you have been in church gatherings where everyone is praying in, in this spirit-empowered language at the same time. And you're like, I am lost. Not only am I lost, I'm kind of freaked out. Not only am I kind of freaked out, I'm looking at how I can bail. Like, I, I, want, to, I want to leave now. And what Paul says is, that's a natural response. So, if the Spirit is working, when you're together, because all the manifestations of the Spirit are for the building up of the body. They're not for you. They're for the building of the body. So if the Spirit is expressing this language, don't do it unless someone can interpret. But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone's prophesying, they're convinced, convicted of their sin and brought under judgment by all. As the seekers of their hearts are laid bare, so they'll fall down and worship, exclaiming, man, God is really among you. More on that next week. We're going to look at this. But prophecy is God speaking Yet it's known in the language, one to the other, but it's, it's very clear. This person did not know that information, but God made clear to this person what it needed to be known. Now, if someone were to walk in and so, suddenly someone was said a word to them that there's no way that they would have known, but was true and right. And that person says, oh my goodness, this isn't just like ethics and morals and how to be nice. God is among them because somehow God made known to them what they could never know otherwise. Can you see the value of that? Because it's knowable to the people and the goal is to build people up. So, so what do we say then? Keep reading the text, verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a, a tongue or an interpretation, but everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's what the point is. If anyone speaks in a unknown language that's fueled by the Holy Spirit, two or at most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. In other words, go back and 
express that prayer and praise to God, but don't do it in a way that's distracting. And some of you are like, Jose, I've been to church my whole life. I've never seen anything like that. Well, let's be clear. You and I have experienced limited expressions of the church. So just because I've never seen it doesn't mean it's not valid. Just because it hasn't happened in my church doesn't mean it doesn't happen in other communities. And just because I haven't seen it done well doesn't mean it can't be done well. We have to leave room that we are not the center of knowledge or the universe. And that my opinion is unequivocally right. And we laugh, but that's how we usually operate, right? I actually grew up in a community that did this really well. And at times, not all the time, on occasion, someone usually at the end of worship would, would sing or speak out in a language that none of us knew. I grew up in New York. There were 40 languages spoken in our church, 40. So it wasn't a tiny church. It was a big church. And when that would happen, people would just get silent and let that finish. And then a leader would come up and just say, and explain what had happened. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit is among us, something comes up in a language we don't know, but we want to pause and wait because if it's going to be valuable to us, we want to hear what God might be saying to us. And then someone would lift up a hand and say, I, I, think, I think I might have what God is saying. Now, the leader would make sure that they knew this person and or talk to this person and everyone would wait. And that person would share and then they would discern, is this in step with what God is saying? Um, maybe it would happen with a second person, but it didn't happen always, but it was done with a humble spirit because the community was open. And I'm grateful for that heritage because it helped me to see that what's instructed in the Bible can be done even done well. Now I'll give a caveat. It's the only church I've ever been a part of that's done it well. I've seen it done in many ways. But, but this, so it says to me, it is actually possible experientially. I grew up with, with this. And, and that might not be your heritage. And you may say, I don't want any of this. That's totally fine. 1 Corinthians 13 is written right in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12. And 14, and there's a conversation on the manifestations of the Spirit, but in the middle of it, Paul has to stop himself and say, oh, by the way, if we don't love each other, even in our differences, the rest of this is useless. It's useless. So you could be right and be unloving, and you're not helpful. And so what we want to do is just create a culture where we can love one another, even in our disagreements. And now some of you have been in church gatherings where this was, this was not practiced and you walked in and, and then all of a sudden these languages and, and suddenly the volume got louder and louder and you're like, Jose, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. Paul actually says, no surprise. Because he says, if someone comes in who's an inquirer, that, and it, Implications, you may be a Jesus follower and you're just stopping into the town and you're just hearing stuff that you don't understand. And of course, so the goal 
of expressing the Spirit through our lives is the, I want to do whatever it takes to build up, never to tear down. And that's why these instructions are given. Um, so, so here's the bottom line when it comes to tongues, and you, you need to understand this. When we're together, we need to hear and understand what's being said, which is why, and we'll pick up on this, God manifests himself uh, through prophecy because this is God's information made known to us, but in language that we understand. So we don't want to be distracting to one another. And so I, I am not slamming any community that practices when we're together, praise in English out loud, praise in tongues out loud where everyone can hear you. Different communities have different ways of, of loving and following Jesus together. But I, I know it would be really distracting. And I think, I think that Paul's actually saying, don't do that. And so if you've wrestled with that and had a struggle with that, then, then you're not alone. Now, having said that, and let's get to practice, it's possible to pray in these spirit-empowered unknown languages with other people around and not be distracting. That's what I want to suggest to all of us. And the reason I suggest it is because of practice. I do this all of the time. And so uh, early on in my Christian journey, this spirit-empowered languages is, is a part of my story. I, I, I don't even remember ever even asking for it. But when I pray, I pray in English. I don't pray in Spanish because I'm not fluent. Otherwise, I would. Um, but there are times when I'll move from praying in English to praying in something I don't understand. And I'm not freaked out by it. I'm edified and built up by it. And I know in my soul, I don't understand all that's going on, but I know I'm offering my life to God. But you don't know it, and, and that's okay. And so that's happening probably just about every Sunday in my experience. So it is possible to walk in the Holy Spirit and his goodness and not bother other people and not interrupt their praise to God. Uh, we have a prayer team that prays over whoever's preaching on Sunday. And so I'm being prayed for every Sunday. I'm preaching. It's a beautiful gift. And they're physically laying hands and just praying God's blessing. And I am quietly praying in this language I don't know, and none of them hear me. That, now, this is my experience. This may not be your experience. And that's totally okay. What I want us to do is just have an open framework where we would say, I want all that the Holy Spirit genuinely wants to give. And what he wants to give to me, I want to receive. Now, if he gives different things to me than he does to you, I'm never gonna be jealous or envious or mad because they're not my gifts. It's just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift. But if the Spirit wants to move in you in this way, I just, I just want you to be I want you to be open to the idea that it could be this has never happened in your life because you didn't even know it was possible. Do you know there are things in the Christian life you may not know that they're possible, right? But, but now that you know, maybe it's something God might want to do. 
But let's be clear. The third thing I want you to know about tongues is tongues are not the same thing as preaching. This is really important. When we're together, we're to hear things in our language because if we don't understand it, it's not useful to us. So in Acts chapter two, the spirit comes on the church and what happens is everyone, it says, starts declaring the praises of God in languages that these other people did not know. Now the text, it's been interpreted, the text actually does not say that they preach the good news to them. That's been a common interpretation. It may be the right interpretation, but the text actually doesn't say. It it says they heard them declare the wonders of God in their own language. Elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, we see that it's this praise. Anyone who prays in this language offers praise to God. It could be, I don't know, it could be that the other people heard them declaring just God's goodness and praise, knowing you don't know my language but I'm hearing you offer this praise to God. What we do know, and this is what we need to get clear, no matter where you land on that text, were they preaching in a a language they knew? It doesn't actually say they were sharing the gospel with them. If you read Acts 2, it says they heard them declare the wonders of God. Here's what we do know. They heard Peter speak in a language they knew. Peter, the apostle, gets up, and declares the good news. And when do the people respond to follow Jesus? Not after tongues. It was after Peter explained the Bible. And Peter explains the Bible and they say, what must we do to come into the life of God through Jesus the Messiah? And they are brought into new life. And that, so, so this is one manifestation, but it's not the center of the story. You're gonna hear it again and again and again. If you don't understand it, it's not going to build you up. It's not valuable. So this is one expression, but it's not the only. And again, our conversation on tongues and prophecy is we're like going deep dive into one small aspect. But in the big view, it's the Spirit empowering us to share the message of Jesus, which is the big news of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to empower every Jesus follower to share Jesus with other people. That's why the Spirit has come. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the center of the coming of the Spirit and in the center of the coming of the Spirit is in your development and becoming like Jesus, love, joy, peace, and the whole list. Yet, this is valuable. Fourth thing, and this may be common sense, but maybe not. Tongues can be started and stopped. So if you ever hear like, well, I just couldn't stop myself, red flag. Let me just ask you, when you pray, can you stop? When you normally pray, can you stop? Or how about this? If I asked you, can you start praying right now? Could you? Yes. And it's the same with these unknown languages. You, the Spirit is empowering you, but this is not some sort of trance. This is not some sort of voodoo. This is not some sort of presence that takes over. Whenever you see someone out of control, I just dare say, I wonder if that's the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of Jesus is the Spirit of order. As a matter of fact, that's what Paul says. There must be order within the church because Jesus is the center of this church. Christ is the head of this church. It's not crazy 
It must be orderly. Now, having said that, at the same time, have you ever been swept up in worship where you just feel like, man, I feel like I'm in another place, you know? You're just so overwhelmed by God that you, you begin to smile or you begin to cry or you, you feel like, oh, I need to bow down because I feel awe and awe in the presence of God. All of those may be right expressions, but you're still under control. Um, so in, in the same way, I, I want us to be cautious that we're not saying, hey, just be wild and crazy. All right, now, can anyone speak in tongues? Let's move on to another question. Can anyone speak in tongues? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 5, just listen in. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. So there are lots of opinions on what Paul is telling the church. And here, I'll be ultra clear. I'm just going to give you my reading of the text, and I could be wrong. Test it, check it. But I think it's one valid interpretation. When Paul says, I want every one of you to speak in tongues, I think it is possible that the Spirit can manifest His goodness through anyone. And so, and he, and he does say, man, I wish you would. And, he said, and Paul's clear. We'll read in 1 Corinthians 14 next week. I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. This is something I practice. This is something the Spirit's empowered me to do. This is good. If you leave with that one takeaway, then we've won. That this is not evil. This is good. At the same time, I think what Paul is talking about and distinguishing, there's this personal prayer language that's driven and moved by the Holy Spirit that happens when you praise God, pray to God, and it's just you and the presence of Jesus. This is a beautiful way of knowing and loving him. But another way of knowing and loving him is pray through the Psalms. Just open the Psalms and pray through the Psalms. It's the word of God. So you could pray in the known word of God by praying the Bible. You could pray in the unknown word of God by, by praying as the Spirit enables you. It is possible. But I think what Paul's saying here is that not everyone is going to give a tongue when you're all together. Not everyone's gonna uh, manifest the Spirit's presence and have a tongue or interpretation tongue when you're all together. I, I think that's what Paul's distinguishing with. And again, I, I'm, I'm trying to be humble enough to say I could be wrong on that. But I, I, I could be right on that. In one sense, it doesn't matter because in the end, it's a work of the Holy Spirit, right? This is, not, this is not something you conjure up. This is not something you grab. This is not something you take. Everything from the Spirit. The spirituals are all graced from God. So let's get to the next question. Can anyone, I, I think it's possible in your personal time with God, that it's possible. Everyone in public? No. He, he manifests gifts in public for the good of the building of the body, and the Spirit does that. But what if I never speak in tongues? And that's, I think, an honest question we need to address. And let me start by answering it this way. Tongues is not a sign of maturity. It, it, none of the manifestations of the Spirit are a sign of maturity. Haven't we all seen people operate in godly work and not be godly? <laughs> we all have. And the reason we all have is because at times we're not godly. And yet God uses us anyway. So it's not, a, it's not a sign of maturity. Hear me clearly. 
It's not the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. And this is where, listen to the previous weeks, as I understand it, as we as a church understand it, it's not the evidence. So you can never pray in this spirit-empowered unknown language and be absolutely filled with the Spirit. It's, it's one way the Spirit works. So, so you're like, okay, so what does that mean? It means there are two extremes we need to avoid. And we need to avoid both of them if we're gonna be honest and be Bible-centered people. The first is that tongues are a gift that everyone needs to express. That's an extreme. Uh, and we wanna avoid that because we love one another. Then you set up an in and out crowd. Then you set up a superhero spiritual and uh, struggling Christian. And I've seen many, many, many who walk around with that notion of, yeah, but if, if I could only do this, I would now have the gateway to more power. And I just don't think the Bible's teaching that. It's saying that the Spirit empowers through at least 20 different expressions. Tongues just happens to be one of them. Mostly, it's for private building up. Mostly. Sometimes, languages are helpful in the body when it is interpreted so that you can hear what God is saying. The second extreme, the first one, I don't think most of us are struggling with. The second, I think some of us are, in that tongues are something we should just avoid. This is where, listen... We just need to avoid that. And I would just say, like, that's, if it's in the Bible, if the apostle who gave us by the Spirit most of the New Testament says, man, the Spirit works in this way more than all of you, but I wish you would. If God has grace for us, I, I think I don't want to be in the camp that says no to God. I don't want to be in the camp that says, oh, and I don't want to be that Christian that says, well, well, they do it that way, but we have the best way. Man, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So as a church, do we do it right? I don't know. I want to. And I think if we keep that posture... I want to grow in life in the spirit. Okay, so let's, na- let's land the plane. What, what do I do if I desire this gift? What if I really desire this gift? Here's my word to you. Hyper-practical. Ask. I can ask God. Ask. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spirituals, especially prophecy. But there he's not saying, he's talking about a public setting, especially when you're together, you need prophecy. More on that next week. You need this. But, but follow the way of love. And so eagerly desire. You know what eagerly desire means? It means to positively and intensely be interested. Can you say you're positively and intensely interested in all the Spirit has. Strive for, exert oneself, be dedicated to. It, is that our heart? In other words, when it comes to all that the Holy Spirit has, don't live passive. Live intentional. 
And you say, Jose, well, I've been a Christian for 30 years and no one's ever, no one's ever given me any pathway. Well, the Lord provided one today. Or maybe this is your whole life and your trajectory and this is just a firm, whatever the case may be. Or may say, I don't think any of this is for today and I think this is all done away with at the coming of the canon somewhere in 300 and that was for then, this is not for now. I, I, I wouldn't agree with that, but I'm gonna follow the way of love <laughs> and I'm not gonna cram this down your throat and there won't be a 16-week series on tongues. Calm down. But I, I don't want to say no to God. I want to be hungry for more. And, and to me, that was my hope. That this morning you would hear something different and just hunger more, more of God, more of God. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Sunday Gathering podcast. To learn more about 26 West Church, please visit our website at 26westchurch.org.